Thank you, Jay. So I noticed that uh, John Curtis was scheduled to do lady prayer, so he obviously was gone, so he had Jay do it. Jay, I think you owe him one for that. that. Pentecost is always the hardest scripture reading of the year. You had to go through all those places. Yeah, so if you see John, give him a hard time so we can pick on him since he's not here. Um, But what a scene. You know, what a scene. This is Pentecost Sunday when we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit uh, to give birth to the church. Now, we affirm that the Spirit of God has been before anything was created. You can see in Genesis, early pages of Genesis, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. But as we know the Holy Spirit, as the, the founder of the church, the one who makes ministry possible, the one who makes knowing Jesus possible, this all started on this day that we celebrate, on Pentecost Sunday. So uh, the scene, you can kind of picture it when the day of Pentecost arrived. Now, Pentecost was one of the big Jewish festivals, and it started out as just simply an agricultural festival. It was kind of a harvest festival. So Passover plus 50 days that's Pentecost. So 50 days, that's where the Pente means five, uh, Pentecost. That's where it comes from. So when the day of Pentecost had showed up, um, they were all together in one place, right? The disciples. And we learned from chapter one, there was about 120 of them, men and women, and they were all in there together. And this day shows up. Now, Pentecost was not only an agricultural festival where they celebrated the, the first fruits and the harvest, but it became a time where the Jewish people would celebrate the giving of the law. So think Moses, you know, when he goes up on Mount Sinai and he receives the law from God and it's inscribed on the stone tablets. And then he brings the tablets down and shares them with the people. Uh, And so that the coming of the law is what is celebrated on Pentecost. So a lot of fun, a lot of imagery coming together. And so we see this scene and you can picture them in the house uh, that they're in and they're all praying together. And so we've got an image here. You know, there's a lot of great iconography of of what, you know, it might have been like. This is from the mid-15th century, and it just depicts people kind of around, sitting around together. Uh, we've got Mary there. We've got the other women there. We've got the 11 disciples and Peter, and then we've got uh, everybody. We've got the coming of the Holy Spirit and the picture of the dove. I don't know if you can see it in the words, repent and be baptized. And so there's a lot of celebration of those, that kind of core group gathered around together in the Holy Spirit coming. But what we don't have a lot of iconography of is what the rest of the people did when they saw what was happening to the disciples. And I think it looks something like this. <laughs> That's what everybody else did. You know, apparently if you if you Google astonished crowd, you get a lot of soccer images. So this this comes from, uh, they would call it football, but, you know, soccer. So you got a German soccer fan there going, oh my gosh, did that just happen? Well, that's what that's what the scene looks like. You know, the spirit comes and there's tongues of fire and dancing around. The word tongues is used, uh, but but really a better translation is languages so that they begin to speak in all these languages. And so the, the, the Jews that had gathered from all those places that Jay read, we got the whole gamut and they've gathered from all around. And that group of places represented all of the known world at the time. So that's the whole list of everybody that they knew lived anywhere. All those people had gathered together to celebrate Pentecost. And they saw this happening. And and Luke tells us more than once that they were astonished. They were perplexed. You know, they were like that guy. They were going, oh, my gosh, what is happening? What did we just get ourselves into? So, you know, that happens sometimes when we gather as God's people. We get together and the spirit begins to move and we look at each other and go, what in the world just happened? 
you know, we had a bunch of kids at church camp this week and some of our people that were counselors. And there are times in every church camp, amen, where you look around and go, what just happened? What, you know, was that the Holy Spirit or are these kids really tired? They need to go to bed. You know, we're always trying to wonder what's going on. What just happened? So they're bewildered. There's a sound. All these things are happening. And uh, they were amazed and astonished. The reason they were amazed and astonished is because there were all, all this, these group that were speaking, the disciples, they knew they were from Galilee. So they said, aren't they all Galileans? Then why in the world, when they're speaking, can we understand them in our own language? So we've come from all these different places and all these different dialects, and he's speaking in the Galilean dialect, and I understand him, and I came from Mesopotamia. How is that possible? Are these people, do they, are they just amazing translators? Do they know 45 languages? Or what's going on? Why can I understand them in my language, even though they're not from my neck of the woods? So a lot of bewilderment ensues, just as it would today, if such a thing happened. Uh, I don't know if any of you know other languages. Uh, the most languages of anybody I've ever known that actually knew that was fluent, that could speak and teach in other languages was uh, Raniero Cantalamesa. And I heard him speak in Lexington, Kentucky, and he's fluent in seven languages. He was raised in Italy, uh, but he spoke well in, in English. He could speak Latin. So, I mean, all this stuff. But other than that, I don't know very many people that can translate that many languages all at once. So, something miraculous is happening. People are understanding the message of God, the mighty works of God in their own language, even though it's just our friends, the disciples, that are gathered around praying, waiting for the Holy Spirit. They're the ones that are speaking. So they're asking, what does this mean? In Acts chapter 2, verse 12, they're amazed and perplexed, and they're saying to one another, what does this mean? <laughs> this is a good question for the church to ask when things are happening. What does this mean? What do we need to do? Right? What's going on? So let's back up to the book of Genesis and let's try to figure out what's going on. So you remember in the early story of Genesis, uh, about chapter 11, there's this scene, this event that we refer to as the Tower of Babel. You remember that? Where all the people at that time, they spoke the same language and they're all from the area. So they get together and they decide, you know, we're going to build a tower. I always think of the Egyptian pyramids when I think of that story. It's just these amazing feats of what humans can do to try to reach God, right? To try to, let's build a tower that will reach God and we will make a name for ourselves. That's what they said. We'll, we'll make ourselves known before God. We'll build this great thing and it'll happen. Well, they had the wrong idea, right? They had the wrong, they were misdirected. And so God at that time in the story in Genesis confused their language and scattered them out all over the place. And so ever since then, we have been scattered in language and we have been misunderstanding each other ever since that day. Have you ever been misunderstood? Have you ever looked around and go, were you in the same room as that guy when I was talking? Did we hear the same person? I'm completely misunderstanding. Jenny and I just this morning had a misunderstanding. It lasted like 10 seconds and it was really simple. But it was a misunderstanding. Every day we experience misunderstanding. And it all goes back to the Tower of Babel. We are little babies and our parents misunderstand us. We're toddlers and our parents misunderstand us. We're toddlers and then a little older elementary kids and our teachers misunderstand us. We're toddlers and our friends misunderstand us. We are misunderstood by all kinds of people. Uh, 
And what we do when we're misunderstood as children, early on we can't talk, so we just cry. <laughs> we say, no, that's not what I want. I need food. Or no, that's what I'm not. I, don't, I, want, I need my diaper changed. So we cry. And then when we're kids and we're misunderstood by our teachers, you know, we look at them and we go, oh, I don't know how to explain this to you, so we cry. Uh, and then we're a little older and our friends misunderstand us. And we may not cry in front of them, but we go around the corner and we cry because we were misunderstood. Then as we get older and we become the parents, we become the adults, and we become the ones with power, and we're misunderstood, and then we are the ones then who misunderstand. We misunderstand our kids. We must misunderstand our friends. And other adults continue to misunderstand us. And instead of crying when we get older, we just hurt people. We get misunderstood and we misunderstand and we just say, hey, that's not going to happen again. You're fired. Or we say, that's not going to happen again. We're not friends anymore. Or that's not going to happen again. Uh, I'm going to find a different social group or whatever it is that we say to deal with our pain that comes from misunderstanding. And it's a vicious cycle, and it goes on and on. And it's not just one-to-one interpersonal relationships, right? States don't understand each other. I mean, Arkansas doesn't understand Texas. California certainly doesn't understand Texas. You know, and we go through this whole thing. Nations don't understand each other. We don't understand the language. We don't understand the customs. We think one thing is an act of hospitality, and it turns out to be offensive. You, you know, you walk in uh, to, a, to a worship service in India, and you don't take off your shoes. It's offensive to God. And you put your Bible on the floor or lower than your head, it's offensive. We, we don't understand. We misunderstand each other. These things happen. Nations go to war against nations because we don't understand. We just celebrated the 75th anniversary of D-Day where mass confusion and misunderstanding is dominating the world. And so there's a response to that that seeks to overthrow the tyranny. And we celebrated those men and women that were involved in that this last week. It's a vicious cycle that we have been in. Not only do we understand, misunderstand other people and other nations and other ethnic groups and other uh, genders, but we misunderstand God. Right? Somewhere along the way, we just assume, you know, we start out, if we were raised by our parents to trust those who are older than us, then we just figure, hey, God loves us too. But if we're raised in a way that we're not really made to think that, then we just assume that God probably doesn't love us. He may love some other people, but he doesn't love us. And then as we get older and we are the ones that are hurting people and we are being hurt and we say, you know, now I've done too much, so God probably doesn't love me anymore. So we misunderstand God. Jesus himself was misunderstood, right? He came into the world. The scriptures say he came into the world. He lived among his own and the world did not recognize him. They did not understand who Jesus was. And so what did we do? We killed Jesus because we didn't understand. Massive, perpetual cycles of misunderstanding. So what is God's response to this mass confusion and mass misunderstanding? Well, one of his responses to this chaos in the world is the day of Pentecost, the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what happens at Pentecost, right? The Tower of Babel, we were one language, and then we were confused and dispersed and misunderstanding were many languages and many ethnic groups and many people. But we come to this place of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit comes. And what happens? We still have many languages, but we can understand each other. Everyone begins to understand. Oh, I get it. The gospel is preached in my language and I understand what God is up to. So the event of Pentecost sort of turns that pyramid upside down. It turns that event on its head. It reverses you could say, the curse 
of the Tower of Babel. Now, the Holy Spirit empowers us as a church to go to the nations that we don't understand and to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the gift. The day of Pentecost. So, just as we're trying to understand, and they were trying to understand, Peter gets up in great form. Remember, this is Peter who was scared, who was terrified, who denied Jesus three times, who was struggling to recover his place in the economy of the whole God project. And the Holy Spirit comes. And guess who speaks up with boldness? It's Peter. He takes charge and he says, let me tell you guys what's happening, okay? Because remember the crowd, one of the things they said is, uh, oh man, those people are crazy. They must be drunk. And Peter stands up and says, oh no, 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 no. They're not drunk. It's only nine in the morning, right? And we're not even on vacation. So that's not a possibility. Nobody's, nobody's drunk yet. It's nine in the morning. It's okay. That's not what's happening. And Peter begins to say, this is what's really going on. He says, don't you remember the prophet Joel? And he said, I will pour out my spirit. And God said, I'll pour out my spirit on all humankind, on all flesh. And in the last days, it will be that your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will see dreams. Even on male and female servants, in those days, I will pour my spirit. They will prophesy. And I will show wonders in heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and vapor and smoke. And the sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood. Before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass on that day that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So Peter says, okay, here's the deal. Y'all are misunderstanding what's going on. You got to remember your scriptures. Joel, Joel talked about this and this is happening. And Joel said, hey, this is going to happen in the last days. So Peter and his buddies, our ancestors in the faith, they were living in the last days. And guess what? We're living in the last days also. So we've been living in the last days for a while. The, the life of the church is the life of the last days. As long as we're living, as long as the church is going, we'll be living in the last days. But then Peter says there's, there's another day. There's the last days, plural, and then there's the last day, singular. And that's when it all shakes out. That's the day when God comes to judge the living and the dead and every knee will bow and every tongue confess. The last day. So between now and then, Peter says, we've, we've got work to do. This is the church. This is us. Here we are. And this is what it's going to look like. It's not going to be just middle-aged male disciples who are from one part of the world. But now the church is going to be everybody. It's going to be men and women and children from all places. Anywhere the gospel goes, that's where the church is going to be. And it's going to look very different. So where the church was all together in one place, all 120 of them, now they're fixing to get sent out everywhere, right? And the gospel's going to go. And Luke said it's going to start with Jerusalem, then it's going to go out to Judea and then Samaria, and then it's going to go everywhere, the ends of the earth. All those nations that were represented, the gospel's going to go back with, with all of them. So it's great news. It's this great awakening. It's something that we could have never dreamed or sketched out or imagined what it would be like. And what's fascinating is in that list that Jay read for us in the text, there are two, at least, uh, places that are known. Those are Israel's known enemies, right? Mesopotamia, that's where the Babylonians were from. And then Egypt. And we all know about Egypt, right? That's where the pharaohs were and all that stuff. So these are the bad guys in their story. And they're in the list. 
They have come and they're there to witness the unfolding of this Pentecost, of this church. And now the church is born and we're sent to all those places, even to our enemies, even to people that we imagine, oh, they'd never listen to the good news of Jesus. Those people are crazy over there. Those New Mexicans, you know, whatever. I'm from New Mexico. If you're from New Mexico, I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to offend you. So, there. Um, so I think that, in short, God's answer to the massive misunderstanding of humanity and the brokenness that ensues, God's answer is y'all. God's answer is the church, the capital C church, the church universal. Or when we say the Apostles' Creed in a minute, we're going to say we believe in one holy Catholic church, one universal, according to the whole, one church. This is God's response to this brokenness. And just as Joel said, and as Peter said, quoting Joel, it's going to take everybody. If the world is going to know that God loves them, that they've misunderstood God, that we've got the wrong God, if people are going to know that there's healing possible from all the fallout and all the damage that has resulted from our misunderstanding, if there's going to be a place, a hospital, where people can come and get well from that kind of stuff, it's going to be the church. And if that's going to happen, it's going to take all of us. So it's, it's young men and young women and old men and old women. Nobody is exempt. Nobody is too old or too young to communicate this message to the world. In fact, if we're not all together in this, it won't be the complete picture. It won't bring the healing that God intends. So it's going to take everybody. If you're five or you're 95, there's a place for your voice in the church. So in conclusion, where have you been misunderstood? And because of that misunderstanding, how have you been wounded? And then where have you misunderstood? Maybe at first inadvertently. Where have you been one of the ones who brings the wound? Where has this happened to us? And where have we initiated this? There's healing and forgiveness at the altar of Jesus. The gift of the Holy Spirit comes and beckons us to be free, to be healed, to be restored in our relationships, to repair the damage done through misunderstanding and brokenness. The scriptures say elsewhere that God is making his appeal to the world, and he's making it through the church. Wouldn't you expect God to make his appeal through somebody else besides us? <laughs> you know, we all feel that way. But God has chosen us. He's chosen the church. And he's making his appeal to the world through the church. And if we're not firing on all cylinders, think of ourselves as like all the organ pipes. You know, you got the kids, you got the teenagers, you got all of us all the way up. And if all those pipes aren't firing, the world doesn't hear the song of Jesus. This is our work. So we pray together on this day where we celebrate Pentecost. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. In response to God's word this morning, I invite you to stand as we declare together our faith in such a God.
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting.